This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today on the program, we'll visit with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo. Over the Labor Day holiday, they'll cool off the animals during their frozen treat animal enrichment weekend. So we'll talk about this upcoming event and the different animals at the zoo, even mention how they handle new arrivals at the zoo. And as always, Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. Join the conversation this morning with a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or email the show it's animals at mpbonline.org always like to remind you that if you miss creature comforts on its original broadcast on thursday mornings it repeats saturday mornings at six so good morning hope that you're both doing well this morning good morning we're up all right (laughs) as i mentioned this weekend at the zoo there will be the frozen treat animal enrichment weekend we're going to talk about that and some other happenings at the zoo with our guest uh, ej rivers but first we do have a couple of pet emails to get to and also a reminder of the phone number if you have a pet question or if you want a question about the goings-on at the zoo give us a call 1-877-MPB-RING it's 1-877-672- 7464. In fact, maybe you could call in if you've been to the zoo recently. Tell us what your favorite animal was. Uh, for me, it's always the giraffe. I, 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 every time I go to a zoo anywhere, I always look for the giraffes first because that's been my favorite animal since I was a child. I used to call them trees when I was a little kid. So, Well, in the, the desert, they kind of are. They're actually the sentries for the rest of the animals. If the animals are watching giraffes and the giraffes kind of spook out a little bit, that's what they pay attention to. All right. Very good. All right. So here is uh, an email. It says, recently adopted a dog from the pound. She's a mixed breed, but definitely has some hound in her. Uh, she seems to have body odor. I have heard some dogs just naturally have a strong body smell. How often can and should I bathe her? It's a good question. And a lot of the hounds do have a little bit more odor than some other dogs. Uh, some of the dogs, uh, hounds have pretty pendulous ears. There may be some odor coming from there, but I think they do have more of a body odor. I try to recommend not bathing over every two weeks. And uh, after that, uh, a lot of dogs do perfectly fine <laughs> with a good brushing Uh, combing as opposed to uh, having to bathe. But no more than every two weeks, it seems to dry out the skin and can be some issues. Uh, There's a lot of other things that you can do. Uh, Some of the things that you can apply topically. uh, Some people use Skin So Soft, that sort of thing. Also keeps Uh, off bugs. Just (laughs) just in kind of a uh, spritz type thing. Mm -hmm. And then you could um, actually... uh, wipe the dog down or brush it but brushing is important what about baby wipes sometimes those come in handy i didn't know if there are any everybody needs some baby wipes okay uh, <laughs> well i just is it safe yeah. because they're really handy to they're, have you they're, know they're, they're safe and you can uh, certainly if uh, a pet is dirty or whatever you can help uh, without having to have a bath and it it does work okay thanks for that tip all right here's another one it says we have several older small dog uh, small house dogs is there any method or product to stop or prevent the two males from marking inside the house? Wow. It's, a lot of times it gets to be a competition between uh, the two males. In fact, 
you know, I don't know whether they were neutered or whether they've been neutered at all. Usually, if you neuter males at a fairly early age before they start marking their territory, most of them will not develop that tendency. However, when you have some competition, uh, they mark just about every upright object that they can find, including you if you don't move. But uh, I would say that uh, very difficult to stop that habit in the older dogs. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your pet questions this morning and questions and comments about the Jackson Zoo as we visit with E.J. Rivers from the zoo this morning. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. It's animals at mpbonline.org. You know, we always ask for people uh, encounters and brushes with wildlife. I had a, a brush with an arachnid uh, this Saturday. was out at uh, Ridgeland Tennis Center playing tennis, uh, and the guy was warming up with hit the ball over the fence, and I noticed it kind of rolled down the embankment but not quite into the creek, so I thought, well, I'll, I'll go retrieve the ball. So went around the fence, uh, grabbed the ball, came back, and about halfway back I noticed this sharp stinging sensation in my leg pulled my sock down didn't see anything didn't worry about it and then uh, probably sunday this was saturday sunday night i noticed a big red welt on my leg and so apparently i was bit by a spider uh, fortunately it's not chewed away any of my skin so i don't <laughs> think it was a brown recluse spider but i thought it to myself you know we talk about encounters and, and we've talked about spiders and other creatures on the show uh, every week that's i think really the first time uh, that i can ever remember it being I guess I don't know if "bit" is the right word. I, it, it was really sore, a sharp thing. So I'm I'm calling it a sting. I don't know if that's proper either. But uh, um, that was uh, it was interesting because I didn't obviously didn't see the spider and really just walked over there and walked back. So I apparently must have brushed up against him or maybe went through the web or, or did something that kind of bothered him or her and uh, paid for it with a little bit of a of a sting. You know, not seeing it, uh, it certainly could have been more like one of the wasps or that sort of thing as well because you were going through some underbrush, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, spiders generally, did you have shorts on? I guess that's the other thing. Yes. Okay, so you were wide open for whatever might have been, <laughs> whatever might have been there. Could have been a human. You never know. You know? <laughs> but uh, I would say one of the things that you can do certainly is uh, some Benadryl. Mm-hmm. After uh, getting a bite or a sting, if you can take Benadryl, and there are some different types of uh, lotion that you could put on that might help. Well, and like I say, uh, Sunday uh, night it, it was bothering me and then kind of itchy Monday. But unfortunately, I, whatever it did attack me was not anything severe because now there's still a little bit of a discoloration, but actually really no Good. itching or anything. So, Good. And like I said, obviously not any one of the dangerous spiders because my leg is still fully intact. Which I was is about dangerous. to say if it falls off, I would question that judgment. <laughs> well, you, you know, m- most of the brown, brown recluse are going to be secluded. They, that's the reason they have that name, I think. Yeah. Uh, they like to get in dark places and uh, usually in the house and or somewhere like that or under the house, but they like to be fairly secluded. So I'm glad it wasn't a brown recluse. Right, and also, again, what I'll, whatever it was, I'll, I'll give it props because it, it did so very quickly, and like I said, I, I didn't see it or even notice it until after the deed was done. Uh, we've got some pet questions on the line, so let's begin in Madison. Becky has called in today. Good morning, Becky. Uh, go ahead. You're on the air. Good morning. Um, I was calling about, we have two Jack Russell Terriers. They are litter mates and brothers, and they also mark. But that's not what I'm calling about. One of them is more hyper than the other. And my son 
who has been his primary caregiver, is a senior in high school now and gone a lot. And the dog just is stressed. I mean, he pants, he runs around the house, he hides under furniture, he crawls all over you. I don't know what to do about it. Good point. So he's, he's the dog is hyper, but more stressed because your son has gone to college, right? Right. Gone well, he's not left the house yet, but he's just not home as much. Well, he's anticipating, but, I guess. There's I some things. So. There's some things that you might do. One of the things that seems to help in in some of the stressful situations uh, is a pheromone collar. Uh, it's I, I use one on one of my cats that uh, certainly helps uh, maintain some order in the household. <laughs> Uh, simply by calming down a little bit. Uh, your vet should have some of those or can get one. It basically has maternal pheromones uh, that uh, seems to help, and usually those last for about a month as far okay. as the collars. There's another product called Zilkene, X-Y-L-K-E-N-E, maybe a bad spelling, but it also can calm without sedating. So, And certainly there are sedatives that could be used, but I think those would be the best bet to start out with talk to okay. your vet about that and see see what he can offer or she can offer okay okay all right i will best of luck thank thanks. you thanks becky for calling in let's move on next we've got jonathan calling in from memphis today good morning jonathan you're on the air with us hey good morning everyone thanks for taking my call so i have a question regarding coyotes uh, i live in the nashville area actually and we live in a very rural location and very early in the morning, we've heard coyotes screaming around 4 or 5 o'clock. I guess it sounds like screaming, but it sounds like young children screaming. Um, and I was wondering if coyotes, when they get together in packs, if they, they yelp or call like that when they're just gathering or if they've taken down some type of animal. In my opinion, and uh, we can ask EJ what she thinks, but in my opinion, they probably do that with both uh, when they take okay. down a kill. Uh, but it also is kind of a rallying call, I think. And they, and why do they do that? They do it because they can. But I think when you get a, in unison, and, you know, two or three coyotes may sound like a dozen. Uh, they can make a lot of noise. And usually if you're out walking or something like that, it makes kind of makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck a little bit. But Indeed. It is a disconcerting sound. But I suspect, and we may have somebody listening that could add more to that, but I suspect they do both when they make a kill and when they're kind of getting together and going out on a hunt. There's probably differences that we don't hear because we don't have the same auditory capabilities as wolves or coyotes do. Because I know cougars also do the same thing. They can sound like children in distress on purpose. And, and we, we're not exactly sure what it means. But All right, uh, Jonathan, thanks for the call. And I've often heard that even house cats uh, have a thing that they mimic and it sounds like, a child crying, and they use that when they really uh, desperately want to get your attention as an owner. It works. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we need to take a break. When we get back, we're going to continue our discussion. We're visiting today with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo. They have the Frozen Treat Weekend happening. We'll talk about that. Also, we're looking for your pet questions. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 and some zoo trivia to think about during the break. In 1921, the Jackson Zoo was known by another name. What was that name? We'll have it for you after this break. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. 
We're looking for pet questions this morning. Also, we're talking about the Jackson Zoo with E.J. Rivers from the zoo. So if you have a pet question or a question or comment about the Jackson Zoo, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464. You can send an email as well, animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we had some zoo trivia. In 1921, the Jackson Zoo was known by another name. It was called the the Livingston Park Zoo. The city of Jackson acquired the land where the current zoo sits from Samuel Livingston. The Monkey Castle and the Elephant Cafe are still original structures from 1921. So we've got some phone calls to get to, but first let's visit with EJ for just a few minutes. Uh, EJ, first, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about your role at the zoo. Uh, right now, my title is Media and Events Specialist. I handle all, all social media marketing, promotion. Um, I also help a lot with the administration and, and development duties, trying to get donors and memberships and stuff like that. And then um, lately I've taken on uh, some fun events, a way to get people out back to the zoo. All right. And I understand that one's coming up Labor Day weekend, the Frozen Treat Animal Enrichment Weekend. Tell us that about that. This started out as just a keeper kind of thing that they would do on their own, and it kind of took on a life. So this is the third or fourth year that I've been a part of the Frozen Treat Animal Enrichment Weekend. But uh, part of being a zookeeper is that you have to stay abreast and trained in um, new enrichment activities for all of your animals and for each breed and each species is completely different and they've taken this to a different kind of level because the mississippi is really really hot even in september and um one of the things that we love to do and we found out that our guests like it as well is when you freeze something uh especially a favorite treat that the animal can recognize and then give it to him and it it they have to work for it which is part of enrichment i like to tell kids enrichment is like you having to take a class or read a book for, or do a report, or maybe even do a treasure hunt. That's what enrichment is for exotic animals. It's a way to engage natural behaviors and uh, have them act instinctually. keeps them active, keeps them healthy, keeps them learning, keeps them growing. Um, And it's just, it's fun for everybody to watch. It's fun for them to do, and it's fun for everybody to watch. So when you, like with a tiger, they'll take chicks, flash frozen chicks, and, and other meaty, bloody project products and they'll freeze it into big we call them blood sickles um <laughs> there's just no other way to describe it a lot of people get offended but i'm like it's that's what they are but then we also have grape sickles for our red rough lemurs and then we have um uh for the um for the rhino or large white rhino they'll have uh frozen uh in a big baby pool they'll throw in sweet potatoes and fruits and vegetables and then uh, he'll have to get through that and that's fun to watch with that horn mm-hmm. of his that's a lot of fun but they do that and and on this particular weekend we do it for 3 days and then they schedule it so that you know if you're going to be um at 10:30 Saturday morning they're going to just go straight to spider monkeys and they're going to be giving Debbie Destiny and Miracle their frozen treats for that time period so and then of course uh for this weekend saturday and sunday the first 250 people to catch a keeper or a staff member and say i want more enrichment you're also going to get free otter pop from the cafe at at backyard burger so that's a lot of fun all right and you know this to me sounds like if you kind of look at the history of zoos over i would guess maybe the last hundred years or so it's become an evolving thing where again trying to put the, the the animals in more natural surroundings and this sounds like something keeping them interested so they're not bored and and so uh, they can, as you say, maybe work on instinctual 
behaviors that they would be doing were they not in a zoo. Absolutely. Yeah, we try to make it as natural as, as possible. The evolution of zoos over the past just 20 years has changed so much. It's not an attraction that's about entertainment so much as it is about education. And for a lot of zoo people, it's about saving these nearly extinct species like the red panda, the red rough lemur, our Sumatran tigers, the white rhinos. It was heartbreaking in 2016 to find out that the northern uh, black rhinos, that last male passed. That's it. Um, and, and we don't want that to happen to any other animal. So a part of the zoo world now in the 256 zoos around the nation, just in America, not including what's happening in the rest of the world. But they are actively trying to save these species so that they do not go extinct. Uh, it's funny. I um, um, season ticket holder the Mississippi Braves, and they've had through the years have had different things during between innings, keeping people entertained. And one they had a couple of years ago that reminded me of this was that they would take a T-shirt and they would freeze it, and then two contestants had you know a minute to try to unwrap and put the T-shirt on. And uh, they never, I never saw anybody get that far. So uh, I would love to do that with our keepers, especially <laughs> during the hot hours. It's like freeze one of their outfits and then go, okay, guys, go for it. You know, I think that would be hilarious. I bet you the animals will enjoy that as well. Yeah. So yeah. So it looks, it sounds like uh, it's fun for the animals, but it does give them a little bit of work uh, to to get to the frozen to the treat. They they seem to really enjoy it. They get excited. You can see them being more active when they see these when you drag that baby pool out because it takes a lot to drag that baby pool out for that tiger. You know. They they see these treats come out and they just come running right for it because you know it's cold, which is great. And then you can see inside the ice if that's a grape, man, that lemur is going to lose it, you know, because they want that grape. All right, so that uh, what are the is it all weekend long? What are the hours? Uh, we are open every single day except December twenty fifth from nine a.m. until four p.m. That's when the animals they are on a clock internally. They line up to go to bed at about four o'clock. We sell the last ticket at three thirty. But I encourage people if you're coming. Uh, Come by two, because that way you can you won't have to rush through the zoo to see everything. But come by two, and it's ten twenty five for adults. It is seven twenty five, ages two to twelve. Under two is free. Memberships for families start at sixty five dollars for twelve months, and we do have a Groupon deal going on two for twelve. And there's also group discounts. All right, back to the phone lines we go. We start again in Gul- on the Gulf Coast. Lena's called in uh, to comment. I think on an earlier uh, question we had. Lena, go ahead. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Hi. Go ahead. Um. Having some unwashed clothing from that uh, college-bound young man. Put those clothes where the dog can smell it, his by his bed or around wherever he goes, and the smell of his owner would is calming to to him. That is a good suggestion because I know that my cat uh, certainly finds any kind of clothing or whatever that I uh, unfortunately have left lying around the house and loves to lay on that. So, Lena, very good right. thought. Don't wa- just don't wash it. Just put whatever it is and put it where the dog can smell it and that'll comforting. All right, Lena, great call. Thanks for calling in this morning. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're uh, visiting today with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo, and Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one 7464 Next on the line, we've got our friend Sue from Beaumont. Good morning, Sue. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Doing good. I, I'm wondering if you were wandering around out there in brambles with uh, your bare legs, you might have got bitten by a tick, which would have been more serious than anything else that could have bitten you, you know. Yes. Uh, fortunately, I had socks on, 
And uh, actually, when I posted my the picture on Facebook, someone else suggested it was a tick. I don't think it was because there was no – if he did, he didn't glatch on. Um, so I, th- I thought if it was a tick, I would have been able to see him still attached. And, and like I said, right after it happened – uh, had you know saw that was nothing on my sock, pulled it down, and that was the other strange thing is I really didn't see any kind of puncture wound or anything, and didn't really notice it until later. But uh, fortunately, I believe that it was not a tick. So good, good yeah, news can I there. Offer a suggestion. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> Keep your can of deep woods off. Ah, <laughs> and uh, handy, and you can spray your legs, especially bare legs. Spray your legs before you go through any brambles or you know things like that. It really works. It keeps off everything. Uh, that's very good, uh, Sue. Thank you. I remember when I used to referee youth soccer, I always had a can of Deep Woods off in uh, my, in my bag. Um, and I also say that uh, the next time I'm playing tennis at Ridgeland, which, by the way, is a great tennis facility, but if the ball goes over the fence, I am not the one uh, to go chase it down, that's for sure. <laughs> next on the line, we've got Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. Hi, Kevin. Uh, I heard when you said about your uh, bite now, my dad was president of the Beekeepers Association and the Apiary Committee for the state of Louisiana for years. And uh, they had figured out simple remedy for bites. Now, you can ask the doctor if this will work on spider bites. A real strong acid vinegar. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, I save old soy bottles or hot sauce bottles or wherever it's in plastic, and I fill them up with um, acid, a real strong, like a Heinz strong vinegar. And I give them to my friends to keep in the car or if they're going off on a fishing trip or whatever. And I stash them around the house, one in the barn, one in the house, and this and that. And you put it on and you just pat it in. Even a mahogany wasp, in, in, in 20 seconds, it's gone because the acid tends to neutralize the bites. So I don't know if that will help you on a spider bite, but it definitely works with bees and such. And I know they've got those apiary pins up there flying with the airplane planes in price. You can't even keep one. But uh, I hope that'll help and give somebody some uh, some advice there. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. Now, that's interesting because <clears throat> I've talked to several people about it, and, and that's not the first time someone has mentioned vinegar, so I will definitely give that a, a, a shot. Um, we've got another call to get to, and we'll go to Ronzo in Oxford. Good morning. Uh, you're on the air with us. Uh, good morning. Thank you for uh, taking my call. This is about last week when you were talking about the uh, hummingbirds, and I, I tried to get on the air, but I ran out of time. I just wanted to, uh, you, at one point you played uh, Black Blackbird by uh, Paul McCartney, and I read an interview with him, and he wrote that song during the Civil Rights Movement, and it, hit, it was his interpretation of a black woman finally getting the right to vote. And I just thought that that was so important to uh, the civil rights and the Mississippi and everything. And I, and I just wanted to pass it on to you. And and I love your show. And thank you very much. All right, good to hear from you, Ronzo. Thanks for the call. We've got some open phone lines for your call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We're visiting today with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo, and Dr. Major's here ready for some pet questions. When we get back, we'll see what happens when baby animals are born at the zoo. We've had, they've had some in the last couple of years, so we'll, what happens in the zoo when a new baby arrives? This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be back with more after this. No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. And our guest today is E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo. So we're talking about things going on at the zoo, also pet questions for Dr. Major. And again, if you've been to the zoo, uh, tell us what your favorite animal is there. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Get back to the phone lines in just a minute, but before the break, we talked about uh, baby animals at the zoo and sort of what goes on when a, when a new arrival comes. Now, EJ, you were telling me before the, uh, the show started that nothing too recent, but you do have some young animals. So if you would give us the update, I guess, on the, um, the roughed Red roughed lemurs. Red roughed lemurs. Uh huh. Yeah. Actually, those are two different things that can happen when an animal is born to exotics in a zoo. Um, With Zamora, who is the pygmy hippo, a very reclusive, very the only reason we know anything about pygmy hippos is because of zoos. So they are incredibly endangered, and we were very proud when we got Zamora. Uh, She was a Christmas Eve baby. Um, Now, Mama Clementine, uh, even though it was her first, just was a natural mom. And um, she just we we weren't sure that she was pregnant at the time because we do a hands off policy on everything. Everything is as natural as we can make it, whether their exhibits or their care, um, 24 hour vet care. But, you know, want to do a hands off policy to allow because the best caretaker of any baby animal is its own mother as a general rule. So when Clementine. She started taking care of Zamora, and she did a great job, and we didn't have to worry at all. You know, you keep an eye on her, you weigh her, you know, make sure she's got all of her healthy, you know, checkups and stuff like that. But Clementine did all of the raising or the rearing, depending on where you're from in the country. Um, Now, with the red rough lemurs, however, uh, Mama uh, Nakina had been hand-raised, and this was her first and she literally did not know what to do with these two twin babies. She had no idea. And for 24 hours, she was um, watched by the vet staff. And they're like, "Is she going? what is she going to do? How is she going to handle this? And she, she just didn't know what to do. So after a certain amount of time, the staff said, it's just prudent for us. If we want these two endangered creatures to live, we're going to have to help her. So they also were hand-raised with invisibility of Nikina, Polo and Sava. They just turned one. Um, They are delightful. Lemurs are incredibly playful, incredibly clean, um, very smart. Um, One of the few exotic animals that you can actually interact with inside their exhibit. Most of the time we we use protected contact when we deal with like tigers and leopards and stuff. But with the red rough lemurs, our keepers can actually go in and interact with them. You still have to be careful because these creatures are very strong and they can hurt you without meaning to. But um, it's really kind of cool to be with them because I got to spend a little time with them in their first year holding them, helping to feed them. And now when I go up to the exhibit, I think they still there's one of the ladies with grapes in her pocket, you know, and I I want to believe in my heart of hearts that they still remember me. Um, They may or may not, but they're beautiful, beautiful boys. And we're so proud of them. But that's two of the ways we only pull young if it looks like the mom needs assistance. And it's a very long decision making process. But um, we're we're very happy that we did it because they're good. And Nikina and the boys get along fine. So does the Jackson Zoo or other zoos around the country actively 
promote breeding? Absolutely. Actually, every animal in any accredited zoo, is uh, their lineage is recorded in a database that is accessed by everybody, but especially the species survival programs usually run by the American, uh, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, the AZA. So each one of our animals is their name, date of birth, and their lineage is recorded. And they will tell us, like with Echo, our, Sum- our Sumatran tiger, when it's ready for him, because he's only four years old now, he just turned four, when they are ready for him to start a family of its own, because that is an incredibly endangered species, they will tell us we need to move Echo to this location, and we're going to put him with this female, and they're going to start a new line. And then, sorry, the mama, um, uh, he was her it might have been her first, but I think he might have been her second. When she's ready again, they will bring in another male, and then we'll start a new line. But they're trying to get those genetics as, as diluted as possible. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo and also Dr. Major here, ready to take some pet questions. one eight seven seven mpb ring is our phone number. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Also, we have an email here uh, that has two pictures. And again, thank you so much. Uh, We always encourage when you're trying to identify something to send us some photos. Uh, This says, went out to the garden and found this snake on the front porch in Laurel. It went into the garden. What type of snake is it? And EJ and Dr. uh, Dr. Major both agree that it is a... Speckled king snake. King snake. Well, I can't talk. (laughs) And it's a very (laughs) nice looking snake. And it looks like it was quite a big one there. So... Uh, thanks uh, for emailing that in. And also, we talked about uh, deep woods often, how we can protect ourselves from some of the critters and creatures we encounter when we're out in the wildlife. Uh, Dr. Major, is there anything that we could do for our pets, or is kind of the standard um, things that we would use for protection sufficient? In general, there are uh, several things that can be used. Uh, some are topical. Uh, others are oral. But uh, there are good flea and tick medications that can help protect. Most of the good ones will prevent the tick from attaching uh, uh, on the body, and they will simply get on, get the hot foot, if you will, and fall off. Uh, So there are several products that are uh, definitely used for that. And it's not going to hurt if you wanted to to spray a little deep woods off. Uh, I wouldn't get it in the eyes or anywhere like that Mm -hmm. on the dog, but I think probably the best to use because you don't know exactly when you're going to come in contact with ticks. And ticks are very important as a vector of disease, so we need to be well aware of that for ourselves and for our pets. All right, very good. Back to the phone lines we go, starting again in Purvis. Susan's on the line. Good morning, Susan. You're with us on the air. Good morning. Um, I have two large dogs that are neutered. They're male, and I got a new dog who's also very large, probably about three years old. He's a large German shepherd, and he was just neutered, and he has started to attack my other dog, and right now he's being boarded at the vet because uh, it was pretty scary, but I'm wondering how long does it take for the testosterone to kind of get out of his system, and can I bring him back home? I realize I need to go to neutral territory. I was reading right. about that. And right. It's a great, it's a, it's a great question. Ahead. Great question. And one of the problems, of course, is that even among neuter dogs, uh, it's possible that they would not uh, get along. So you may have some alpha dog type tendencies here. Uh, he may be intimidated, and I think neutral ground is good. 
But I would say it's probably going to take at least a month, six weeks for this to dissipate from its system. Oh, wow. Uh, yep. And uh, I think it'll take that long. Don't don't push it, but if you can introduce them again to a more neutral area, maybe with one of the dogs at a time rather than both, and uh, see how that works. It is possible that it may not work out. Yeah, I gotcha. hate to say it like that, but it may not it may not be personality-wise. Right. We just have to consider the safety. All right. Yes. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. All, All right, well. Susan, thanks for your call. Moving on next, we've got Karen on the line from Starkville. Good morning, Karen. Good morning. How are you guys? Doing good. What do you have for us? Um, so I've got a 12-year-old dachshund. Wonderful, wonderful animal. And she has Cushing's disease. It's under control uh, since last year. She's on a type of medication twice a day. Um, my question is, other than a multivitamin that we're giving her, is there anything I, else I can do? Because her skin is really, really bad and very thin. I mean, she's not in pain. She She's happy. It's just... Right. I don't know what to do. And certainly <laughs> some of the symptoms of uh, Cushing's disease can carry over to the skin. Uh, what are you feeding her? What what type of dog food? Uh, we normally get the, oh, what is it called? It's that red stuff. Well, basically oh, it's for older dogs. Yeah, it's okay. for older dogs. Okay. Uh, as far as the skin, I would talk to your vet if you hadn't had her checked, her thyroid checked. I would definitely do that. Uh, yeah, we did that. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this may all stem back again to to the Cushing's disease. So I would, uh, you know, just work with your vet and try to see if y'all can come up with a solution. I don't have one, you know, basically without seeing her, but the basic right. testing that you've done is good. And, of course, you're monitoring her uh, Cushing's disease and taking medication, which is the best you can do there. Right, right. I wish I could tell you more, but uh, I so, know. certainly good this luck with a, her. And uh, this sounds is like the second dog with Cushing's disease. Well, it's weird. Well, Very strange. Those things do happen, and you, I know you're a great pet owner and you love her, so you take yeah. care. Thank you. All right. <clears throat> Thanks for the call, Karen. Uh, next on the line, we've got Jennifer and Jackson. Good morning, Jennifer. Go ahead, please. Hi, um, I I had a um, just more of a comment, um, but before I, I do that, I was just sitting on the phone. I've had a couple other comments. Um, I just want to say, first of all, I support the zoo um, so much. I think that they do great work, and I'm so glad you guys have um, a representative uh, here today. And I just think it's so important, and we're going to go to the zoo soon. So, um, and then. Another thing is uh, to the owner who has the aggressive dog, um, I have taken my dog um, before to um, a dog training uh, class here in Jackson, and the the goal was to get her more comfortable with other dogs, so that could be an option, just throwing that out there. Um, But my main comment was that... um, Lately in in Jackson, around Eastover and what we call the leftover area, there have been so many dogs that I've seen just wandering around that are people's pets, and they have collars and tags. And um, they're obviously not street dogs, and they're getting in the road, and I've saved three of them. Um, But I've seen so many more. So I just wanted to say 
please, Jackson, lock up your dogs. Um, you know, the pets are not, uh, they're, they're not good on the streets. So um, that's really my, my only comment. That's a great comment. Uh, and you wonder sometimes why people just turn their, their dogs loose, even though they are taking care of the dogs in, in other ways. But certainly they can get into fights. They can be hit by a car. Uh, and numerous other things can happen. So I do encourage pet owners to keep them uh, keep them up and safe. Thank you for your call. Thanks for the call. Uh, so, Dr. Major, if, if someone sees a, a dog or uh, animal wandering around, I mean, would animal control be the, the best thing to, to do in that case? Animal control, if you can get them to come and pick up the, the dog, a lot of times by the time you call, mm-hmm. uh, the animal is gone. It, identification is important if you have uh, collars on the dog and you can actually approach the dog and uh, look at the identification as far as who to call. That's important as well. Most of the dogs would have rabies tags on, and usually the uh, veterinary clinic that gave the rabies shot, that number would be on there, and they would have a record uh, listed of that, that rabies tag. Uh but, yes, animal control would also be uh, important to call. I had a question about that. Because I know, like, um, spay and neuter, um, the, the Big Fix Clinic, they do um, low-cost chipping and, you know, microchipping and stuff like that. Is there a charge if you, if, like, if I pick, if a dog is friendly and gets into the vehicle with me when I see them wandering and they have a collar or they don't have a collar, is how much is a charge would be to take them to my vet and just have them microchip red? Do a lot of vets charge for that, or is that considered just like a, a cut, you know, a courtesy? I would think most would not charge just to read uh, the chip or to look for a chip. However, only a very small number of dogs are chipped, which not, is unfortunate. Not, but yeah. not many. But uh, if somebody brought a dog into the clinic and just wanted it chipped, uh, there would probably be no charge in most cases. Okay, yeah, because I know chipping can be a little expensive depending on, you know, what you're trying to do. But just reading a chip, because I know sometimes dogs look well cared for. They've gotten out of their collar. They have breakaway collars or whatever. And if they are chipped, and there are ways that you can now be affordably chipped, I just want to make sure that I can take them to, uh, like any vet, if I'm driving down the road and I see a vet's office, yeah. We're visiting today with E.J. Rivers. That was her voice you just heard from the Jackson Zoo. So, E.J., I don't know if you can give me an exact number, but number of different types of animals at the Jackson Zoo. I can give you an approximate (laughs) number because we count all life as part of our animals from the two Madagascar hissing cockroaches (laughs) that we have in our Discovery Zoo, which, by the way, are incredibly cool and chill. Um, And then, of course, I get to handle a lot of the Discovery animals like the snakes and the chinchillas and the ferrets and the hedgehogs. Um, With all of those animals, including our large exotics, we have about 385 animals. Uh, and then uh, those cover about 200 species, 12 of which are endangered. So it's a it's a pretty full zoo on that 34 acres. Very good. Uh, we need to take one final break this hour. Uh, when we get back, we will continue visiting with EJ Rivers and looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. Also, we've got another question for you. The state flower of Mississippi is the magnolia. The state bird is the mockingbird. But do you know what Mississippi's official water mammal is? We'll have that answer for you after this. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. 
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. We're visiting today with E.J. Rivers from the Jackson Zoo. We've got some open phone lines, so if you have a pet question for Dr. Major or if you have a comment or question about the Jackson Zoo, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. Before the break, we had our last question of the hour for you. Uh, the state flower is the magnolia. The state bird is the mockingbird. We asked what the state water mammal was. Uh, the answer is the bottlenose dolphin that was made official on April 12, 1974. Also at that time, the state land mammal, the white-tailed deer, was approved. So uh, some interesting uh, animal trivia there for you this morning. Uh, so, EJ, before the break, we, you were telling us kind of the, the range of different types of creatures that you have at the uh, the, the Jackson Zoo, uh, but also the zoo is kind of divided into some sort of little subsection. So if you would, tell us about the different areas of the zoo. Well, we have the Asiatic area where you will notice the leopard, um, our Amer leopard. We have the Asiatic black bear, Miko, um, the Sumatran tiger. And then you go into what we call the jewels, which is the Central American jewels and the um, New World monkeys. Um, which is the spider monkeys, and then we have the um, the Nicobar pigeons, some of the tortoises, the tamarind monkeys. We have a couple of cotton top tamarinds that are just delightful to watch, some of the smallest monkeys that you can find. And matriarchal, which I always find really fascinating. They're led by females. The females don't have to do any work at all, according to <laughs> the one that leads that particular troop. Um, and then, of course, you get into our Mississippi area, where, where you find the black bears, the American alligators. Um, we have four cougar sisters or puma sisters, depending on which area of the country you come from, that were all orphaned and adopted and raised together from 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 babies. So they're literally sisters um which is great and fun to watch we have some american otters uh beavers you go into the bird run where we have macaws owls we have the tawny frogmouth from australia kookaburras also from australia and then you get around into um our african areas our savannah our forest where we have the chimps the pygmy hippos the dianas and the colobus monkeys and then, um, of course, the zebras, our grabby zebras and the ostriches that live all together in the savannah, clip springers and, and um, um, the sable antelope, Lola, which is fabulous. So it's really I like the savannah because it's nice to see how the, how the interspecies connect with one another on a daily basis. And they're out there all the time. It's a lot of fun. But I guess you have to do pay special attention to which animals get put in, in the part of the zoo with others so that there's not too much fighting <laughs> uh well oh, yeah well you have to do that with any animal it doesn't matter if they're the, from the same uh natural habitat or not any any animal including humans i think <laughs> would be uh to do that but i have noticed in larger zoos around the world especially i think in like china and england they've been doing interspecies enrichment where they'll put monkeys in with uh waterfowl to see if, you know, and watched very, very carefully, but see how they coexist. Do they, do they form a mutualistic relationship where one helps the other? Um, orangutans, and they put in orangutans and, and, and some sort of like frog. Or so, I mean, it was really kind of cool. And that's kind of like our African savanna. But you know that um, along, especially along the pathway, the Amer leopard can see and hear the Sumatran tiger. And the Sumatran tiger knows that there's a bear over there. You know, I mean, they know. You can hear things. You can smell things. So um, it, it is, and it's called natural enrichment. And guests are enrichment for the animals as well. So that when they see people, especially hot pink, 
This is this is a clue. This could give you a lot of fun with your kids. Kids in hot pink get a lot of attention from especially the big cats. Hmm. Interesting. They just like hot pink. All know? right. I <laughs> uh, got some calls to wrap up the show with. Let's begin again in Hattiesburg. Jack is on the line. Good morning, Jack. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Yes. Uh, good morning. Thank you. Um, I have a question pertaining to squirrels, wild squirrels. Um, I live on a, we have two acres and for the, uh, for about 12 years. This, this year we noticed that there were squirrels that seemed to have some kind of, uh, skin disease or some morphing on them. And I looked at them closely and, uh, I looked it up on the internet and it said something about a, some form of perhaps squirrel smallpox or something. And what I was wanting to know is if it's contagious to my uh, other animals or and if there's something that can be done. That's a good question. Uh, not knowing exactly what they have, have you noticed any die or very sick? Uh, uh, I noticed one died earlier uh, earlier uh, this um, in the uh, early this summer. Right. Well, just about uh, every species of animals has a pox whether it's chicken pox, uh, cattle pox, whatever, smallpox, uh, hopefully is eradicated from uh, the the world. Uh, but there are different types of poxes. It's possible that that could be. I've never personally seen a squirrel with any type of pox. Uh, so if one should die or you get one that's sick, it would be great to have a post-mortem exam done. Uh, you could set that up through your veterinarian uh, to do that. But uh, that's unusual, and uh, I would say that uh, if all the squirrels are affected, there is something going on, probably of a major nature for them anyway, but I doubt if it's something that's going to spread to you. All right, Jack, uh, thanks for your call. Let's move on next. We go to Matt in Jackson. Good morning, Matt. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I heard the call earlier about the dog getting neutered and being aggressive. I got a one-year-old Great Pyrenees, and he... After he got neutered, he was real aggressive in the cage. He still is when you cage him at night. So I was wondering any solutions okay. to that. He's okay when he's out of the cage? Yeah, he's fine when he's out of the cage. He's got a little bit of food aggression. Right. we got another right. German Shepherd, and you can't let them eat yeah. together. Cause they'll get well, that, into that's it. true of a lot of dogs in a household. You can't shouldn't feed them together a lot of times. There is a food. The biggest fights at home have to do with jealousy and with food, and uh, certainly be careful with that. As far as the cage aggression, uh, I'm not sure exactly how to tell you to work with that, Uh, but a lot of dogs that are neutered still retain aggression, so neutering is not the total answer uh, to stopping aggression. All right, uh, Matt, appreciate that call. Uh, Let's see if we can get uh, Randy's question from Boonville. Randy, we're pressed for time. If you could get your question in quickly, please. Yes, sir. I've got a 10-year-old American Bulldog. She's faded. Now I'm being told by the vet that she has heartworms, and they want $1,200, and there's a good chance she'll die. What can I do? Okay. Uh, what kind of condition is she in? Oh, man, she's she's awesome. Yeah. She'll run around and do her zoomies in the yard. Yeah. Yeah. Gets up there and plays. and runs around acts crazy. I mean, right. The biggest thing with treatment of heart uh, heartworm is restricting activity. Uh, you need to be able, if you use uh, traditional treatment, uh, you need to restrict activity probably for four to eight weeks, and that gets to be a problem with a lot of dogs. Uh, I would, you know, 
just seek a second opinion. I think that would be good. There are other options, uh, and I would say that uh, you might need to talk to another vet if you're so inclined. All right, uh, Randy, thanks for the call. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio. Funding provided in part by generous contributions from listeners like you. If you need to hear today's show again or find a previous show, go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Our show is produced by Java Chapman and our call screener is Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major and our guest EJ Rivers, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's MPB's Season Pass, followed by Southern Remedy. And we'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts, heard only on MPB Think Radio.